is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bow down with care. God gave his son to win his saying child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Could we within the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky oh love of god how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Gabe. Praise the Lord. Good. Love of God. Thank you so much. There's nothing in this world like God's love. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Let's take our Bibles tonight for the time that remains. And I would like us to turn, at least as we begin, to Romans chapter 8. Now we're going to be in several different passages of Scripture tonight. But I'd like you to go with me, please, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. Romans 8, 14. And we'll read two verses and then pray. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you tonight that we are yours and you are ours. We belong to each other. We thank you for that relationship. And I ask you, Lord, to make clear spiritual truth tonight to the youngest, through the eldest, individual listening. I pray that we'll all understand and appreciate anew and afresh this wonderful, wonderful 
family that we've become a part of by faith in Jesus Christ. For it's in His name that I pray. Amen. The Bible is about relationships. But the Bible employs relationships to help us understand spiritual truth. If you agree with that statement, say amen. In other words, the Bible tells us how we ought to be and how we ought to behave, but it also uses various historic and practical illustrations of family living to help us understand what our spiritual relationship ought to be with God. I want to say that I have and I had a wonderful earthly father. My dad has been in heaven now for oh, almost a dozen years, 11 years. He's been in heaven and, and I miss him. And there are times when I would like to pick up the phone and call him like I used to, but I can't. I'll see him again. The Bible tells me that I will see him and I will know him as I am known. And I'm looking forward to that grand reunion. But in the meantime, I have memories of him. And thinking back, you know, when we're little, when we're Klaus's age or when we're uh, our grandson James's age or Jackson's age, any of those grandbabies that are so young, you don't have long-term memory. At least if you do, you don't know it later on. You can't remember those things. They're not developed that way. It's not until you're three or four or five you start to have memories that you retain through life. Now, I can remember being four years of age. How many of you can remember back that far? Something when you were four or maybe five. Maybe you remember your first day of school or something of that nature. Certain prime events or maybe something that was uh, quite unsettling and maybe you remember that uh, frightening experience of some kind. But I remember being four and my first memory involves my dad. I remember my dad when I was four years of age. And I can remember my relationship with him then was one that is described in the scripture, Abba, Father. I was totally dependent on my dad. I needed him for everything. I would come to him frequently. I don't recall that he ever got tired of me coming to him, but I kept going to him. This is by way of illustration so that we'll get the, uh, the understanding of the passage of Scripture. Our relationship with God starts out that way. Every single person who comes into the family of God comes in initially by the new birth experience. There aren't several ways or options. The only way you get into God's family is by the new birth, by the second birth. That's how we come in to the family of God. And as such, we are spiritual babies at that point. And we are like babies in that we are totally dependent in every way. And we know it. There is no question about it. Uh, my father, when I was four years of age, never asked me uh, to go down to the grocery store and pick up some groceries and bring them home. He never told me to go out and park the car. He never gave me any of those responsibilities. Why? Because I was four years of age. That's why I had a normal relationship that a four-year-old would have with his dad. And I remember growing up when I was five and six, and when I was in the first grade, I believe it was the first grade, 
there was a Christmas play, believe it or not. It wasn't against the law in those days in public elementary school to mention Christmas. And we did a play. Now, it didn't have any gospel in it, but it was about the innkeeper. And the title of the play was The Blue Cup. Now, there was a boy in our class who had no talent in acting. I, on the other hand, was an, a soon-to-be Emmy award-winning, Oscar-winning actor. I got the lead role. I was the innkeeper, and the lead role on the female side was the innkeeper's wife, and I had her in her place, and I slammed down the blue cup, and I said, woman, and I don't remember what I said to her, that's the last thing I remember, but anyway, I was in charge, and my parents were sitting out in the audience just laughing up a storm at that, but the little boy that had no talent whatsoever was the announcer. Why do they make the boy with the speech impediment the announcer, the narrator? But he came out and he said, The title of our play is The Boo Cup. Everybody went, what? <laughs> but anyhow, he had his moment in the sun. And so we had a, a wonderful... But anyway, my, my point is, I remember that. I remember going to church. I remember certain key events in the growing up experience. But there were some times in which my dad began to entrust responsibilities. Son, here's the keys. Go give it to so-and-so at church. He would say, do this, do that. When I got old enough, when I was just about old enough to drive, he let me go start the car. He let me do things of that nature, more responsible things. When I was a little tyke and we'd go to the store, my mother would pick out my socks. My mother would pick out, you know, everything that I would wear. I mean, from skin on up, everything I would wear, she would pick out. But when I got to be eight years of age, she said, you go around the corner there, there's a bunch of socks. Now pick out three or four pair, come back and show me what you got. And I did. And she said, this is good, this is good, this is ugly, put it back. And so I would put the ugly ones back and keep the good ones. And when I got to be 10 years of age, she'd say, you just go pick whatever socks you want to. And I picked them. It was a gradual thing. When I got to be in junior high, I was buying all my own clothes. I was doing, I had gradually worked up to that. I had a relationship with my parents. It was a growing relationship. A growing relationship. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a consistent theme throughout the Bible. When we begin as Christians in this world, no matter what age we are, we are baby Christians. We should grow. We should mature spiritually. And even though we may not be old people on the outside, we should be growing and maturing spiritually right along from the time we got saved. How many of you were children when you got saved? Raise your hands. All right. And so it kind of paralleled your growth patterns. How many of you were adults when you got saved? All right. You started out as an adult biologically, but you were a baby spiritually. And you had to grow. You had to come along. You had to make rapid progress. So the Bible says, grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a practical reason for this. Because God does not want us to spend our entire course of time on earth as a Christian in the baby stage. 
He wants us to grow up. Everybody who has a physical baby says, what a cute baby. What a cute baby. Now, just a little while ago, when we were out in the foyer, Klaus came to me. Now, Gabe, I'm going to tell it just like it is, all right? All right, yes, he came to me. He was happy with me. He was happier with me than anybody else out there. He was comfortable with me. Now, you say, what's that got to do with anything? Well, there is something in the message about that, but I want to make sure everyone understands what I'm trying to say. All right? Every baby is cute, but you want that baby, as cute as he or she is, to grow up. You want them to have normal growth. Yes, we kid and we say, we don't want you to grow up so fast. We don't want you to become so mature so fast. Spiritually, just the opposite is true. We don't want new believers, whether they are physically children or physically teenagers or physically adults, we don't want them to remain spiritual babies very long. We want them to move along quickly in their development. It is not cute for a new believer to remain stunted spiritually. There are lots of Christians who are stunted. There are lots of Christians who are stagnated. There are lots of Christians who are stuck in a rut. They don't need to be, but they are because they do not understand the principle of which I speak. The growing in grace has to do with our knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's not just knowledge about the Lord Jesus Christ, which is sterile. It is knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is relational. Are you getting me? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune God, the Bible speaks of the knowledge of the Holy the place that we don't want to remain stagnated is back there at the starting line. We want to get into the Word of God until the Word of God gets into us. And once the Word of God gets into us, we begin to grow in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He walks with me and He talks with me. I'm on the same page with Him. He's on the same page with me. I'm under the same yoke with Him. He said, take my yoke upon you. I've got His yoke upon. I'm going right along with Him. He's teaching me how to walk, how to do this thing in this world. He is teaching me step by step and I am growing and I am maturing spiritually. How many of you are starting to get what I'm talking about? In the passage of Scripture that we read, Abba, Father. It's very interesting. The language tells it all. Abba is not the classical language. Father is the classical language. Abba is what you would say everyday kind of house talk. It's Aramaic, and it's basically a little child saying, Help me, Daddy. Help me right now. I'm totally dependent. A four-year-old is dependent, totally dependent. Now, that's not to say that a 17-year-old is not dependent. Anybody ever have a 17-year-old at home? All right, they've got some dependencies too, but it's different. You see, you can send them down the aisle and they can buy their own socks. You can send them in the grocery store to go get a gallon of milk and they won't bring back the wrong thing. A four-year-old will bring back everything but what he's supposed to bring back. Isn't that right? That's right. 
Why? It's not wrong. The parents ought to know better. That four-year-old doesn't know what a gallon of milk is necessarily, doesn't know to bring it back in one piece. But a 17-year-old knows. Why? Because there's been a maturing, there's been a growing, there's been a development. And that's what we are part of, the growing, the development part of it. Our challenge is on a daily basis to make right choices of to whom we are going to yield, with whom we are going to walk, who we are going to serve. Thus, we either grow or we don't grow. Either we move forward or we spiritually stagnate. Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, not my will, but thine be done. That is the perfect example of where we eventually are going. That's the goal of where we want to go. As we walk with Him and talk with Him and we grow in grace in our knowledge of Him and we're more and more like Him as the Spirit of Christ is coming out, emanating from our life, we get to the point where we don't say, God, it's this way or the highway. We say, not my will but thine be done. Romans chapter 6, back two chapters. It says in verse 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that, the, that you were the servants of sin. But now, different, now ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. You have moved on. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to, and, and to iniquity, unto iniquity. That means worse and worse. Even so now yield, now yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. Getting better and better. More and more yielded to God. You see what that's saying? Written to Christians. If we don't yield to God, guess what? We're going to act like we used to act like we used to behave. We're going to be surrendering to the old carnal side instead of to the spirit. And we are not going to progress. We are going to stagnate. There are people today who have received Christ. And because of that, they point back to a day and time when they asked Jesus in their heart. But since that time, they've made very little, if any, progress whatsoever, walking and talking with Jesus because they don't yield. They've got stubbornness, they've got carnality in the way, and instead of yielding to God, they're just staying in the same place instead of moving forward. And so they're going to be 17 years old spiritually and still not able to find the milk in the grocery store, the spiritual grocery store. They're still going to have to have mom come around the corner and pick out the four pair of socks when they're 17 years old, which is really disgusting. Have you ever seen some mom with her teenage son or daughter picking out all their stuff in the store? That is disgusting. They should be grown enough, mature enough, but if they haven't matured, then there you go. Do you know that adult is not a chronological year? If you didn't know that, Pick up the phone because I'm dialing your number right now. Adult is not a chronological year. Adult is people who have matured 
to accept adult responsibility. Can I get an amen on that? Spiritually, an adult Christian is not someone who's been saved three or four or five decades and still can't quote scripture and still doesn't know how to walk with Jesus. An adult Christian is one who has come along and grown in grace with Jesus and each time they've been faced with, do I yield to my flesh or do I yield to the Spirit and follow the Lord? They yield to the Spirit and follow the Lord and they die to a self-willed way of life. That's a mature adult Christian. Amen and amen. And God give us more of them. The key is yielding. Go over to Romans chapter 7 very quickly for... He says in verse 15, For that which I do I allow not, for what I would that do I not, but what I hate that do I. This is the monkey wrench thrown into the, you know, the, the Christian's life because we've got that old nature. There's the war between the flesh and the spirit. But notice what he says. Paul is writing, verse 18, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. We, we have a description here of a person who is struggling with this business of the flesh, and there's only one way that we can have victory, and that's through Jesus Christ and yielding to the Spirit of God and say, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. I am the potter. Uh, you are the potter, I am the clay. Let him mold us the way he wants to mold us. We have a couple of laws here in view. Verse 23 says, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who, that's a question, shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. There's that conflict. Back in verse number 24, the question is asked, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The answer to that question, who, is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit of God. Who, by the way, is the main character of chapter 8 where we read. There is more mention of the Holy Spirit in chapter 8 of Romans than just about any other place in the entire New Testament. So, when we start out, we show our dependence because of our immaturity. We haven't grown, we haven't matured. In the, in the physical realm, we say, Abba, we say, help me, help me, Daddy, help me, Daddy. But as we mature, the whole maturing process has to do with our accepting adult responsibilities as we grow in grace and as we yield to the Spirit, and we are getting to know Father or Daddy better as we grow up. We're getting to appreciate Him. And as I got to be 12, 13, 14, 15, I didn't always obey. Sometimes I, listen kids, sometimes I was just a punk. But I appreciate today my dad and the way he dealt with me. He wanted to give me adult responsibilities. He wanted me to be worthy of that and to follow through. And I praise God that he helped me to grow up in that realm. My earthly father helped me to understand this passage of Scripture with respect to my heavenly father. Yes, I'm beginning to understand and appreciate more and more who my heavenly father is. 
There are two opposing principles here, and we'll be done shortly if we can just uh, hang on here now. Two opposing principles at work in the life of every believer. There's the law of sin and death, and there's the law of the spirit of life in Christ, and it's very, very clear. There's that battle that goes on between the two. And you say, what is the secret of winning? Is it fighting the good fight in this sense? It is not fighting the good fight, but yielding at every point, giving in to the Spirit of God. You're going to either give in to the wrong spirit or to the Spirit of God. And here we have the opportunity to do that. When I got saved, I was instantly and forever saved from the penalty of sin. And now day by day, I have the opportunity to grow in grace and uh, be one of those overcomers from sin's power in the present and looking forward to that divine release someday when I will be free from the presence of sin entirely when Jesus takes me home. But right now, it's that daily struggle. It is that daily battle. Everybody has it. It's not a case of mind over matter. It's a case of I will yield to God and not to the flesh. That's it. By God's grace, we make that choice. And how do we do that? In Romans chapter 8, as we were just there, it says in verse number 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are, which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And in verse number 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. We understand. Look at verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So, there's a choice as to the spiritual mindset, the walk that we are going to take. Reckoning ourselves, as the scripture says down in verse 13, reckoning our bodies as servants to Christ, filling our mind with the word of God, yielding to that law rather than to the law of sin and death and of the flesh. Abba, Father, really shows the development. We've come along in our development, yielding moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day. Now you see in these verses a reference to adoption. And somebody is confused here tonight because you say, I thought I got born again to get into the family of God. And you did. Adoption hasn't gotten anything to do with getting into the family of God. Listen to me. Say it with me. Adoption hasn't got anything to do with getting into the family of God. How do you get into the family of God? The second birth. You get born again to get into the family of God. Then what is adoption? Everybody who knows the practice of Judaism is aware of the fact that there is a thing called bar mitzvah or bas mitzvah. It is that time when young people are recognized to be, as becoming young adults and they are given legal status and recognition as such. And that's the reference here. What Paul is writing about is this. As we normally progress, 
yielding moment by moment to God and not to the flesh. And as we're growing, and now God, in effect, is saying, you can pick out your own socks, you can get the groceries, you can go start the car, you can do these things. Now, those aren't the things that he would say to do, but more mature things. We're developing, we're walking and talking with Jesus, getting to, to have these mature responsibilities. Then he says, all right, just as in Judaism, you now are recognized. For the word adopted here is in reference to that recognition. Jewish dads adopt their own sons when they come of a certain age, and that adoption is a legal recognition of the fact that they are maturing. That's exactly it. I didn't get into the family of God by adoption. I got in by new birth. You got to be born again. The adoption part is that God's looking at me and I'm wondering, you know, let's say in real life I'm 12 or 15 and I'm wondering, am I going to be able to live up to this? And by grace, we sang about tonight, yes. By grace, absolutely. The Lord looks upon us and says, all right, we're moving along fine now. Doesn't mean you're sinlessly perfect. Doesn't mean you don't ever make a mistake. Doesn't mean you have to cease to pray. Doesn't mean that you have to cease to depend upon me. You're more dependent upon me now than you've ever been. But as we continue in the family of God, He gives us those adult responsibilities spiritually. He recognizes us. He adopts us so that we have legal recognition. That's what this is all about. And so in that relationship, we say, Abba, Daddy, Father, at both ends of the spectrum. It's beautiful. Growing up. Growing up and getting to know Daddy better. Getting to appreciate our spiritual Father better. And I got to say, now that I've been saved a while, I'm just starting to get it. I'm just starting to understand the joy of coming through a struggle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And even though I can feel the effects, I can say, thank you, Abba Father. Thank you for bringing me through. Thank you for the victory that I have through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you getting to know my spiritual father better. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many tonight would say, preacher, that message meant something to me. Slip your hand up high. That, spirit, that, that message touched my spirit, my heart. Yes, amen. God bless you. Trust you learned something tonight. In just a moment, we'll open the invitation for folks to come and have a word of prayer. If God is speaking to your heart, then step out. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now from your heart to God? Would you ask Jesus in? Say something like this from your heart to God. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you slip your hand up so I can see it right now? God bless you. We're going to stand to our feet with heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you want to come and pray about something.